So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So are these your notes? These, <laughs> these are your notes about what we're going to say. What does I it say? It would be a good. <laughs> I didn't even get to idea. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I can just ask you the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> going well it's going really well <laughs> <laughs> hello and oh i can't even read what <clears throat> we'll try this again we've done this before you try know again. susan i promose <laughs> <laughs> let's try again hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the right and wrong podcast i'm jamie and i'm emma and today we're joined by crime and thriller author susan allot whose debut novel the silence came out in 2020 Hi, Susan. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hello. How's it going? How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, not too bad at all. Well, let's talk about your book. The paperback has come out recently. It's a thriller with multiple timelines and different points of view. Do you want to give us and anyone listening who is not aware of the book already a quick sort of teaser of the story? Sure. Um, so it's good to hear you calling it kind of a crime thriller. I think it, it's, it is those things. Um, I've also heard it described as a literary thriller, whatever that mm. means, and uh, um, a I mystery. Think that's <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I quite, I quite like that. Um, so it's, it's got, as you say, it's got two timelines. It's set um, partly in 1967 and partly 30 years later in 1997. So it's about um, the case of a missing woman, um, and it's what you call a cold case. So she has been missing for 30 years, and um, in the 1997 timeline, a character called Isla um, sets out to discover what happens to her, what happened to her, um, because her father, Isla's father, is suspected in the um, in the in the disappearance of Mandy, this missing woman. So Isla goes back to her hometown of Sydney after living in London um, because her father is accused of having something to do with Mandy's disappearance and she wants to um, support him. She fully believes that he's innocent. Um, but after she's been back in Sydney for a while, she um, starts to have doubts and starts to wonder if it's possible that her father did do something terrible. Um, she also starts to wonder whether maybe her mum knows more than she's letting on. So eventually she starts to kind of doubt everything that she's ever believed in, really. She starts to wonder if the things that she remembers from her childhood are accurate or not. Um, and eventually she eventually she gets there and finds out the truth. It's mm. powerful stuff. It really is. Did you have any inspirations for the story or to write the story? Um, I guess my inspiration... The book started out because I um, I lived in Australia for a while in my 20s mm, and experienced yeah. um, real acute homesickness um, and ended up coming back to London um, and feeling a bit of a failure because I hadn't been able to make Australia my home. Um, and I kind of started writing out of that place, really. So there's quite a strong theme running through the book about immigration and and um, the sort of strong pull that home has on us. Um, yeah. And I had a character called Louisa who had been through some of those experiences. And then um, I kind of, I guess, to be honest, I started writing before I had an idea of what was going to happen. And I, and I kind of read and researched as I went along. And I read this book called um, Australia, the History of a Nation by Philip Knightley. And he uh -huh. um, 
writes it's a non-fiction book and he writes about the experience of a policeman who lived in Victoria which is a southern state in Australia who used to come home from work and uh, cry on his veranda and his son in the book his son is remembering this Um, his son kind of never understood why that happened Um, but he found out later in life that his dad was a policeman and he was involved in the removal of First Nations Australian children from their families um, so after I, I read that book, I kind of couldn't stop thinking about him and kind of wanted to climb into his head and understand how you could live yeah. with that sort of internal conflict. Um, so I ended up, you know, I had a character called Steve already and I, that seemed to fit the way I saw him. Um, so I wrote that line of plot into the book. Um, so I guess those those two things, my, my personal experience of homesickness and the mm. experience of, of what we now call the stolen generation seem to kind of fit together thematically. And I went from mm. there. That's interesting because mm. I, really I was reading the author's note at the end of the book where you, you mentioned that the, the, the repercussions and the, the sort of difficult colonial past uh, of Australia and, and that relationship with the UK. Yeah. So, so is that that's where it started for you was that book that you read, and then as you were like writing and researching the silence, how much more kind of involved did you get in the research of that sort of aspect of it? Um, so I started um, looking through the National Library of Australia. They've got this um, oral history project. Mm. which is incredible, really. Um, the the um, Stolen Generation is only one aspect of that project. And within the Stolen Generation section, there are hundreds of recordings and voice recordings that you can listen to online. Um, some of them I listened to several times. They're, they're all kind of personal testimonies of people who were either removed as children themselves or whose family member was removed as a child. And there are some testimonies from people who did the removing. There's, mm. there's at least one recording of a policeman who, who was involved in removing children and some people who worked in the homes that they were taken right. to. So um, it's extremely um, sad yeah to listen to um but i guess that to me that felt like a, a really good way of researching it because you're getting the um the story straight from the person who experienced it so um and of course i live in london so i wasn't able to speak to anyone directly and that felt like the next best thing so i did it that way that makes sense yeah it makes a lot of sense it's such a sad subject as well <laughs> it's really sad yeah. and yeah very dark undertone yeah definitely i mean we've spoken a lot on the um podcast with uh, a lot of uh, debut authors and uh, some which have um books out already like just came out and others that are, are still waiting on their their release date and um, what has the past year been like you know in the wake of of publishing your your very first book uh, well, I had quite bad timing. <laughs> there was this <laughs> pandemic. I don't no know idea. if you heard. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> so the um, publication date for the hardback and also the ebook and audio was, I think, the the twentieth uh, of April, twenty twenty. So right in the eye of the storm. Um, they actually postponed the publication of the hardback um, to August which was great. That that was quite a good time because shops were open then and people were looking around bookshops. 
Um, but even so, it was kind of quite a small window of time when shops were open and then we went back into the second wave. So, um, yeah, it has been it has been less than perfect. Um, you know, there have been wonderful moments within that. Today I went to my local bookshop and I, I didn't expect them to have it in stock. Actually, I hadn't um, really known what to expect. And they had several of them in stock on a table next to the till. They let me sign oh, them and put them in the window. so exciting. Which was just incredible. And that's the thing that you dream of. Yeah. Um, so, and there have been yeah. a few moments like that, which have been wonderful, particularly my local bookshops have been really wonderful. Um, but, there, but there was always this kind of um, feeling that, it could have been a bit different, you know, I could have had a proper launch party, all of that kind of thing. Um, And in the US where, um, you know, they weren't able to delay publication because it would have run into the election. Um, So it came out in May 2020, really, uh, things were quite bad in the US at that point. So not ideal. Um, But yeah, like I say, there have been some great moments too. Yeah, definitely. Apart from the initial release uh what sort of things you know in 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 the it's been about almost exactly a year but mm. it was april 2020 yeah right? so what what have you been non-stop promoting it since then or or how has it worked out for um you? so there was a, a bit of a relatively quiet patch until um the paperback came out the paperback came out um in april 2021 yeah. Um, so again, once the paperback comes out, there's lots of promotion just, you know, in the run up to that and, and for a little while afterwards. But no, I had, I had a relatively quiet patch where I wasn't doing too much and I was just trying to crack on with writing the second book, which as you can imagine is, um, quite a challenge. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, definitely. Indeed. Yeah. How do you, um, how have you found the process of writing through this time? Do you think it's been, like you said, like, is it been sort of, you've had more time, so you're able to write, or was it a bit more frustrating to write at this time? It's been um, mostly really frustrating. Yeah. And um, I'm so jealous of people who say, oh, it's been amazing. I've written my novel during lockdown and I've had no distractions. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think that's a minority. Yeah. <laughs> No, I found it really, really hard, actually. Um, I think what it is, I'm, I um, I find it quite hard to write when I'm worried about other people, particularly if, if I'm, you know, I've got concerns about my family. Yeah. And during the whole pandemic, it was quite a difficult time for kids because, you know, it's not normal. My, my kids are teenagers and it's not normal to be in a room with a screen course, for yeah. a year. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> um, and it, that was just not good at all um they coped remarkably well and and you know it's all fine but um yeah there's just something about having them in the house even if they're in a different room doing their own thing somehow I couldn't quite switch off from that yeah yeah it feels like time's been kind of taken away from you as well. So it hasn't been, yeah. I don't feel like I've been given a gift really. It's like, no. oh, here's no. the gift of time. Like you don't have to do X, Y, and Z, but actually you haven't really been given anything. It kind of feels robbed yeah. in a way. Yeah. I found it very hard. Yeah, definitely. Writing has been just, it's not so much just writing per se. It's just, I think, being creative and mm. kind of trying to find that. Uh, spark has been very difficult and so we've heard from a number of authors uh who have released their first book or about to release their first book and are working on their second book and obviously it's been a hard time for write a hard time to write for a lot of us uh but 
there's definitely a sort of uh, a pressure that comes with the second book, especially if the first one's successful. Hmm. Um, have you found that? Uh, or have you found sort of new or different struggles with writing the second book? Yeah, it's a completely different experience writing the second really? book. Really? Um, wow. Oh, God, yeah, completely. I mean, the thing is that um, writing my first novel, um, it was like my secret mission. Uh, only my husband <laughs> knew and um, maybe a, a few other very close friends. But for a long time, nobody except my husband knew. And um, I was working part time. I was bringing up young children and my writing was my me time. It was the thing that I kind of. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low cost month to month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing and car rental options at no additional cost get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio that's carshield.com slash audio snuck off to do when i should really have been doing something else um, <laughs> yeah and those sort of dark days where you know sometimes you you think everyone looks at me and thinks that i'm this woman who's kind of um you know who messed up that presentation or who's um walking down around the supermarket with elastic waisted trousers on but actually <laughs> I'm the woman who is going to write a book and get it published you know it's kind of yeah. like um it it was just my reason for getting out of bed and um the more the more you realize what an impossible quest it is to get a book published which it is yeah. the more it just kind of made me think but I'm going to do it I'm going to do it it was it was just this um pact I had with myself and I, and I guess the other thing is that of course you can write and and you can tell yourself that nobody's ever going to read this it's so extremely unlikely that anyone's going to read this that I can really open up and write whatever is in my head or whatever hits mm. the page without my head even being a part of the process um so with with my second book uh, you know, this is good and I'm not complaining, but I've got an agent and an editor waiting, um, you know, patiently to read it. And yeah. it's quite likely that it will be published. Um, and I'm almost intimidated by my debut sometimes. You know, if I get a good review, I think, oh, I'll never write anything that good again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I get a bad review, I think, yeah. oh, my God, I can't write. I'm terrible, you know, so. Oh, there's weird. no relief no. from the bad reviews. It's like, oh, thank God, the bar's low. <laughs> um, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes it is easier to get a bad review than a good one, strangely. For well, that, that reason. sounds strange. Mm. yeah I think it, well I don't know I think I can understand that because I think it's more you've already sort of beat yourself up about it while you were writing it so it's kind of easier yeah. sort of I think <laughs> maybe to qualify that I would say if, if all my reviews are bad I think that would be quite hard to take um, yeah of yes. course yeah, yeah. <laughs> not all of if them if the, the odd one is fine yeah. yeah yeah definitely as long as it's the the major minority then uh then you're, yeah. then you're good yeah for sure um do you have um plans for more books after the next one is like you know what's your journey with writing do you think are you gonna you're gonna try different genres are you gonna stick to crime uh that's a good question I think at the moment I feel like I'm in a bit of a sweet spot I feel like I really enjoy writing um kind of mystery thrillers um with mm. kind of complex characters and 
um, kind of slow burning mysteries. I, I just really enjoy that. Um, mm. And I, when I first started writing The Silence, I, I didn't know anything about genre. I didn't know if it was going to be a mystery or a thriller or a crime novel at all. I just kind of thought I'll write and see what I, what I come out with. Um, yeah. And it was quite late, late in the day that I sort of accepted, OK, this is what seems to be working. Um, so going into it this time, going, OK, this is going to be um, a mystery is kind of a whole mm. different thing. But it feels right. I feel like I am maybe quite good at that genre. Um, yeah. So I don't see <laughs> the myself. Is, if the silence is proof that you are good at that genre. so <laughs> Exactly. You. Exactly. Yeah, you've done well there. And thank you. So you you went into this is quite interesting. You went into the silence not knowing about genre. You just kind of thought, I'm an, I, this is a story I want to write. You didn't mm-hmm. really ha- plan or or you hadn't sort of observed those very technical, crafty books and things. No, not a single thing. I mean, I was utterly clueless wow. about all of that. I didn't know, and I wish I had, that it's fine to just slam down a rough first draft oh, and yeah. then go back and start again, which, of course, is the thing everyone tells you, but I didn't even know yeah. that. So I was yeah. you know, editing, writing kind of word by word, sentence by sentence, tr- trying to make everything perfect as I went along mm. and despairing of myself because, of course, it wasn't. Um, yeah, and I thought that if if it doesn't sound like Tim Winton or Anne Enright or one of the <laughs> kind of quite literary writers that I admire, then it's rubbish and there's no point. So I was in a state of absolute despair with it. It's a miracle that I continued, yeah. to be honest. Um, <laughs> you until did. I'm glad uh, you did. <laughs> At some point, I, you know, it's almost like a journey of discovery, isn't it? Sorry for the cliche, but Definitely. at some point you go, oh, this is what I sound like. And actually, yeah. I think that's OK. Um, and once you once you accept that, then you start to just go with the flow of your own voice and it and it starts to work. But it took me quite a long time to get there. Mm. Do you think you found like your voice like as you were writing the, the, the novel then? Absolutely. Yeah, it took, it took ages, absolutely ages. I mean, Silence took took a good decade to write. Wow. And um, I would say that, you know, the first few years of that were me just, to, you know, almost trying to give up on it, actually. And, um, you know, every time I tried to give up on it, I would hear a line of dialogue in my head and I'd think, oh, that's what she would say to that. Well, that's what would make that scene work. And I'd find myself going back to it um so in the end I just kind of I kept going with it because it, it wouldn't leave me alone um yeah and I'll, it's a bit like exercising isn't it? it's a bit like a muscle the more you do it at some point you'll start thinking okay this is now getting easier but got it yeah, yeah. Well, it's like like all crafts you must practice it the more you practice it mm. the better you get I think yeah definitely Absolutely. but what's really interesting is that so you went you went straight in for not only multiple timelines multiple points of view but also multiple tenses yes. it's not often that i read a book that has uh, is sort of half in the present tense and half in the past tense i also can't yeah. remember the last time i read present third that's quite a rare one and that's difficult but, uh, to write yeah, yeah. as well was that, really difficult was that always the plan that you were going to write the 90s stuff in the present and the 60s stuff in the past tense or was that something that changed as as the kind of the process went on so um the way i did it was um for for years for a very long time the whole book was set in 1967 
um, and it was okay. all in the past tense. Um, and for quite a long time, it was just um, two points of view, Mandy, Louisa. Um, and my Mandy chapters were, were all set in Australia and my Louisa chapters were largely set in England. Um, and it was that I was writing that period of time where Louisa's left her husband and she's taken Isla with her and she's gone back to the UK. Um, and my early readers, bless them, would, you know, said to me very kindly, I don't think the England chapters are working. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they said, you know, your, your chapter says in Australia, in Mandy's voice, are great. They're really vibrant and, you know, great sense of place. And your England chapters, frankly, are a bit dull. Which, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm sure they were nicer about it than that, but that's what they meant. Um, And I just remember thinking to myself, but I can't set a book in Australia. I'm British. I don't have the right to do that. I'll get it wrong, you know. Uh. Um, So I clung to my England chapters for quite a long time, but I put in some other points of view. So I I wrote um, Isla. Isla's point of view as a child and then I yeah. introduced Joe Isla's dad um oh, wow. and then I th- yeah so it really went through it went through a lot of phases a lot of different yeah. um yeah. Sort of forms and mechanics as you did it that's yeah. amazing that's and then cool. much later on I, I um realized that I needed to cut Louisa so although Louisa is still in the book and she's very much a character and in, in the book um I don't write from her point of view in the in the finished book um, mm, and, okay. and that meant deleting huge chunks of the novel. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, I sort of, I remember feeling this awful terror, but it was so freeing because then you think I, yeah. I can kind of, I can see what I can, what I need to do now. And I put in yeah. the 1997 timeline at that point. Yeah. Well, it's great. It, it works sounds really like well. The, the book went on such a long journey. If you totally. could, if you could go back in time, reverse, go back in time, 10 years, and tell and give yourself some advice about the silence, about writing this book, about getting it published. What would you tell yourself? Um, I would tell myself to slam down a rough first draft and not worry about whether the sentences are perfect. Um, that was such a revelation to realise that you that you can and should do that, and that actually not to despair when it doesn't look perfect on the page. You know, you can go back and the the magic is in the edit. You can make it shine Mm. later on. I think that's the main, that would have saved me years, to be honest, if I'd I'd known (laughs) that. (laughs) Um, And and also, um, although I don't know if it would have helped to know it, because it it just needs to happen in its own time, but not to worry about whether I sound um, like I... I don't need to sound like Anne Enright because the world already has Anne Enright and I would only ever sound like a pale imitation of her if I tried to write like her. It's exactly. just, you've got to yeah. sound like yourself. You've got to be the yeah. first yeah. you. Exactly. That makes a yeah. lot of sense. Well, thank you so much. No, that is, that makes so much sense. And now we are on to the dreaded last question. I'm sorry, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, um, yeah, if you were going to take a book to a desert island and it was just one book, and you were stranded on the desert island. I'm not really wording this very well, am I? Um, <laughs> I kind of ended up on a back foot, and now I don't know where I'm going with it. But if you were going to take a book to a desert island, what would the book be? <laughs> Got there in the end. Ah, uh, 
So um, and why? <laughs> <laughs> I think I w- I think I would take because it's on my shelf and I'm looking at it the Norton Anthology of English Literature because it's oh. honestly the size of a breeze block and <laughs> I've owned it for thirty years and it's got everything that I should have read in it. So it's got T. S. Eliot's The Wasteland in it. It's got it's huge, honestly, and the, the paper is wafer thin. So I honestly think that that would keep me going until I got rescued. That'd keep you going. Yeah, well, that'd that's keep brilliant. you going. That's not even cheating. It's all in one book. You, you it is. It. You beat the system. You actually did it. That's so true. <laughs> There's so many people that just, you know, they cheat the system and we let them, but you, you didn't cheat it. It was you good. I feel very proud of myself. Thank you. <laughs> thank oh you so much. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Susan. It's been yeah, really great you. chatting with you, really be hearing about your process and your your own sort of self-discovery, it sounds like. Definitely. With, with writing. Yeah, and it's a pleasure. Thank for you. Anyone, well, it's our pleasure. It's completely our pleasure. And for anyone listening, if you want to keep up to date with what Susan is doing, um, you can follow her on Twitter at Susan a lot which is S-U-S-A-N-A-L-L-O-T-T on Instagram at Susan Allot Author. And you can find her website, SusanAllot.com. That's right. And I'm also on Facebook. If you just look in Susan Allot Author on Facebook, I'm on there too. Also on Facebook. Brilliant. There you go. And if you want to keep um, in touch with everything we do on Twitter, it's at Right and Wrong UK. And on Instagram, it's at Right and Wrong Podcast. Um, you can find all of our guests' books and their Desert Island. I, la, 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 I can't speak tonight. And their Desert Island Library on our book list on bookshop.org. Um, thanks so much Susan sorry that I'm apparently inept of the English language tonight Um, thanks to everyone listening and we'll see you next time bye bye